Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a good cheer this morning? Hallelujah. You're amazing, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that every day the Bible says He loads us with benefits? Amen. So thankful for that today. You may be seated. Amen. We used to sing a song. I think Micah said something about it, but we used to sing a song years ago that said, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. How many believe that? Amen. How many believe in God that I'm not going to leave here like I came in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be bound, depressed, tormented, sick or lame, but the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. So we believe that today. Amen. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked out of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Amen. It, and uh, how many believe that with all their heart? But that is, it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. Amen. Anybody should boast, not by works which we have done, but by His grace He has saved us. How many believe that? Titus says that as well. The Bible says in verse 10 that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk in them that God has ordained for us to walk in before, as, as the Bible says, before, beforehand or before we were born or when we were born for us. And uh, so we talked about that. We talked about the power of good works and we talked about what that definition is. I'm going to continue to talk about that um, in, in, uh, in the future, but I just wanted to say this, that a lot of people say, well... You know, you talk too much about works and you get into, uh, many say that it's a, a works-based faith. But in reality, what the Bible teaches, that it is a love-based faith, come on, accompanied by good works. And so we, we have a love-based faith today. I don't know about you, but I'm in love with Jesus, amen. And my faith is built on Him and in trust in Him because of His great love for me. And so... I uh, wanted to just mention that because that leads into uh, a subject I just want to touch on today uh, out of James chapter 1. And I asked this question, are you religious? Are you religious? Uh, I, I, if I had a tagline to put to this, I would put the quest for pure religion. James chapter 1 verse 26, I'm reading out of the NIV, uh, and, and just verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> You can read it out of the King James as well. It, it, it just speaks so clearly either way. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I believe that there is a call to godliness not correctness. Did you hear me this morning? That there is a call to godliness over correctness. So many people are trying to be correct. Amen. And trying to, to we say here, we're not, we're not trying to be right, we're trying to get it right. How many agree with that, right? So I believe that as James is talking here and get into this, that there's a call for godliness over correctness. And there's, I'm going to explain that in a moment. But I found that the teachings of Jesus about good works are somewhat muddied by uh, the negative definition of religion. So when we get into these teachings of Jesus and we start talking about good works, we start talking about uh, religion, we mention some of these words, we have a negative kind of perspective on the word religion. And yet James uses it twice here. He says your religion 
or those who want to be religious, he uses it twice and he has no problem with that. I like this one translation, puts it this way. He says, if you put yourself on a pedestal thinking you have become a role model in all things religious, but you can't control your mouth, then think again. Your mouth exposes your heart and your religion is useless. Real, true religion from God, the Father's perspective, is about caring for the orphans and widows who suffer needlessly and uh, resisting the evil influences of the world. But how many know this word religion is so, the negative definition is so ingrained in our minds that really if you think about it, it's all on the perspective we have of this word. Let me give you an example. If one of you were to come up to me, please don't do this, if you were to come up to me after church or you, you know, I would see a Christian brother or sister and they would tell me, you're a very religious person. I would take an offense to that. I would probably take an offense to that. What they mean is you're stuck up, you're prideful, you're extremely shallow. That's how I would take it. Anybody? Come on. But if one of my friends or neighbors that don't know the Lord would say to me, you're a very religious person, I would take that as a compliment. I would take that as that my faith is, is being you know, shown to them and that they see that I am committed to God and I, I am a very a person of faith. How many... Can anybody see that? Does everybody ever wonder why that is? Because when I read this in James, I said, Lord, what is the biblical definition? Is there such a thing as being a religious person? Um, is there, certainly there is an extreme, but is being religious a bad thing? I began to ask the Lord, is it a bad thing? Because to me, if someone said that, which not too long ago, uh, uh, you know, someone that doesn't know the Lord said that, boy, you're a religious person. I see that in your life. Boy, I took that as a compliment. I was about ready to shout in church and tell you all about it, you know, and, and that was going to be my big story for the week, <laughs> right? But if one of my Christian brothers and sisters said, man, you're a very religious person, I would humble, oh man, what am I doing wrong? I, I must be out of God's will. I, I'm so sorry for, come on, is that right? <laughs> Amen. And so we, we see that. So I began to ask the Lord, and uh, just by definition, it, it tends to lean toward two things. It really means kind of two things. It, it does mean somebody who is a scrupulously observant of these rituals of a person's faith. You know, that's what it certainly means. Intense devotion to a person's faith. Uh, but it also can mean a hypocritical form of virtue. Where it's just a, a form of religion, or a form of some type of religion, or a form of godliness, as the Bible says. And I think most of us kind of lean that way. I think we kind of kind of look that way and so when James starts talking here we might scoot over this part and just skim through this and say well that's not me and everything but then when he says that there is a religion there's a definition of religion that God accepts and we have to step back a little bit and say wait a second James says that there is a pure and unblemished religion that is acceptable to God then I have to say wait a second maybe there's something here that I need to look at and so as we go through this and we look at James and the teaching here, as we understand that pure religion comes from a heart from God. That's what he's saying. And, and then, so what we would call a negative, when he's giving a negative connotation here, because there's um, also, if you look in the book of Acts and Galatians, every time it uses the word religion or religious, it's talking about Paul the Apostle and giving uh, us a glimpse of his testimony about how he was... Uh, a part of a very radical religious uh, sect of, of, of Jewish culture and Jewish religion, which is the Pharisees. So we look at it as a negative way. And so, but here James says, wait a second, there's something to this. 
And I want to bring this out and look at this because he says that pure religion comes from the heart of God, but what we call vain religion or dead religion is generated by a system of rituals and form. So how many know there's a difference? How many believe there's a difference? Amen. And so James gives us the difference. I want to go into that difference. And so vain or dead religion is not just a ceremonialism without life, but it's also acknowledgement without uh, repentance or acknowledgement uh, without obedience. So a lot of times, and as James is saying here, you can be call yourself a religious person, but if you don't have your, your words in order, if, you're, if your tongue is out of control, your religion is useless. It's in vain. And so he says that. It says it, it doesn't mean anything. It absolutely doesn't mean anything. Later on, James teaches us that you could have faith, but faith without works is dead. So James has a very real way of putting putting this out to us. And he has a real way to bring Christians who are way out here in space somewhere, he kind of has a way of bringing us right down to earth and say, look, you got to get this right. You know, if you call yourself a, a religious person or you think that you have a, a very a spiritual walk or you're a very spiritual person and yet you can't control your tongue, he said, everything that you think you are about spirituality is false or it's useless. He didn't say worthless. He said it's useless. There's a difference. It's not that it's worthless, but he said it's useless. And so he's saying that to the church. And I want to bring that out and ask that question today. Are you a religious person? Are you religious? And I, I feel like I want to just find out what pure religion he's talking about. And uh, someone said, if you're like me and you've said it many times, I hate religion. I've heard people say that. I hate religious rhetoric. I don't like traditional church. I don't like traditional Christianity. I think it's a turnoff to a lot of people. And I've said a lot of these words myself. I've said it's not out, out in the street preaching. I've said it's not about religion. It's about relationship. How many have ever said that? You know, you, we've said that, haven't we? But we can't understand that. But sometimes we say it and we really don't know what we're saying. Amen. Out in the street, if I was to preach that on the corners of the street and I'd say that to people, what I was referring to is the, what they know as religion at that point, but what they don't know about God. They didn't know that it was about relationship. So you see how I can present it two different ways. But as James says, there's a pure and unblemished or undefiled religion that we need to walk in. There's a, there's a, there's a true faith. There's a true uh, uh, way to do things. There's a, a good way. There's a real way. Someone said, I don't want to be fake. I want to be real. I want to be genuine. Well, God feels the same way. God doesn't want you to be fake. God wants you to be real. Is that, come on, amen? Some people use the expression, well, I'm just being real as, a, as an excuse to live any way they want to, not really having to come under the commandments of God, right? But I mean, no, God doesn't want you to be fake. God doesn't want you to be, he wants you to be real. God wants you to show you his real love, his real presence. I don't know about you, but as a young teenager, that's my cry to God. Lord, I don't want anything fake. I want the real. How many have ever said that to God? I want the real thing. I, I don't want plastic. I want the real, real genuine thing. I've learned this about the Lord, that God makes it about the heart and about truth, not about emotion or preferences. And if you get carried away and, and you, you begin to try to live this life without the Lord and you try to just have religion and you just try to have a form of religion with, and a show of religion without relationship, you certainly will end up with just emotions and preferences. That's what it comes down to. Jesus had to deal with this and James had to deal with this with certain people. And uh, I believe that. I believe there is a real and there's a counterfeit. But here's what I've noticed about that. That the real 
the real genuine, and we call it religion or spirituality or whatever you want to talk, call it, relationship, usually ends up in glory and righteousness. How many of you ever thought about that? If you've got something real uh, when it comes to the Lord, it usually ends up in giving Him glory. Not yourself, but Him. And it usually ends up in righteousness. It doesn't end up as what we see is a lot of counterfeit that ends in pride and dead form. When you're, when you're trying to, to just live for God out of a, 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 you know, just out of counterfeit and you're really just going through the motions and you, you, you've got, come on, you really don't have a good relationship with the Lord, it usually kind of goes in this direction of pride and dead form. I don't know about you, but some of us, we've had to come back to the Lord a little bit because we got out too far out into dead form. We were going through the motions, but our heart wasn't in it. Jesus said that their lips, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says that's vain and dead religion. Amen. And so I believe just like you can, uh, you can have uh, some type of ritual without relationship, you can have relationship without obedience. You can, you can say that you have a relationship with God and yet not obey His teachings. You can say that you belong to a church and that you, I go to church, I do this, I do that, but not walk in obedience to God. How many know there's a difference? A couple people and they're from out of town. Amen. All right. But I, I want to just throw this out and when we talk about this, and that is sincerity does not replace truth. Just because you're passionate about something doesn't make it true. How many know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of things that people are passionate about, but it's not the truth. But, but equally, when it comes to the truth, not everyone is passionate about it. And it's when we are passionate about the truth, not about what we feel is right, but what is written is right, that's when God calls that pleasing in His sight. That's what God wants. He wants godliness. He doesn't want just correctness. He wants godliness. And that is, as James said, if I can use the word, pure religion. They're, we're after obedience to God. We're after the truth. How many know you've got to stand with the truth even though it costs you everything? You've got to stand with the truth even though everybody else is against you. We need to stand with the truth. Amen. And, and so this is what it is. Sincerity does not replace truth. We have this in our culture today. Just because somebody is so passionate about something doesn't make that true. It doesn't make it right. How many know there's a lot of people that are passionate about things that are wrong? Amen. So we need to be passionate about things that are right and the truth. And so this is what God is after. He is after a heart of truth and sincerity. That is the genuine. That is every time that someone seeks after God with sincerity and truth, they will find the genuine love of Jesus Christ. Amen. But every time someone tries to run after God or follow Christianity in some dead form and out of pride, they will fall, find what is false. They will end up with something that is counterfeit, something that is plastic, something that represents God but is not of the Lord. Not God. How many follow me already? All right. The rest of us, that's okay. So I, I thought about this today, this morning. In John chapter 4, I, I thought about a conversation that Jesus had with a woman at the well, we call it the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus made the statement, he said, those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He was going after what, what James said is pure religion, out of the heart. Those that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now if, if you read this conversation that Jesus had with this woman, you'll find out real quick what we can define that 
that her worship was in vain. Her worship was what we would call dead. It was dead religion. How do I know that? Because she mentioned some things and uh, it really leads us to believe that she really did not have a relationship with God. She didn't know who God was, but she knew some type of religious form. Is that right? She says this, and we realize that what made her worship dead was it wasn't in the location. She said that our ancestors worshipped this mountain. Our ancestors have always worshipped here. Now, how many know that didn't make her worship dead? That didn't make it a dead religion. How many know you can worship the Lord under a tree? You can be in your car. You can, come on, you can have church. You know, uh, you don't have to be in a big stained glass. You know, come on, you don't have to do that. We know that. But what made her, her religion so, and worship so dead is that it wasn't the location. She said it was her ancestors' worship, and it wasn't the tradition in which she was doing it. It wasn't that I go to church every Sunday, we go to church on Christmas Eve, we have candlelight service. I mean, no, those are good traditions, right? We can have those kind of traditions. It wasn't the tradition. She said, our father Jacob gave us the well and drank here himself. So it wasn't the tradition that made it dead. How many of that? God honors those things. You know, God can meet her there, right? But here's what made it, what, what we would consider her worship, dead or dead religion or vain religion. It was the form and the emotion without the truth. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. How many know she wasn't living in truth? She had a form, but she didn't have godliness. So the Bible warned, he said, be careful those in the last day that they'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. So she had a form of religion, and she had a, a ritual of religion, but she didn't have, amen, the God of the relationship. She didn't have the God that she thought she was worth. She didn't have the God of creation. And so Jesus brought to her attention that, listen, it's not just about what you say or what you, know, you, you go through and the rituals you do. There's a heart condition here that God's after. There's an action. Your actions have got to line up with, with what God says that we need to come on, line up with. That is true religion. That is pure religion, as James said. That if someone claims, oh, I worship over here, and our forefathers this, and my ancestors this, and I go to this kind of church, and I belong to this denomination, but you, if you, you don't have, you can have a form, but if you don't have the power or the relationship, Amen. It's just vain religion. But you need to have, amen, that relationship with God because that is the truth. That is what truth is about. And that's what God seeks. That's what God after. That's why the Lord said and Jesus said, those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's one thing to have a form, but man, if you're worshiping God without truth, you're really in vain religion. It, it is just a religious form. Amen. And so I hope that's making sense. That that. that as, as James brings out, it's, it's vain. It's just, it's just dead. It means nothing to God. And I, I believe, why am I telling you so much of this? Because I believe that we've got a culture that believes they're okay without God. There's a, there's a, there's a feeling and a sense in our culture that if you, if you feel good about yourself, if you live a positive life, that somehow that makes you godly or that makes you saved or that makes you close to God. How many know that's not true? That's not true. You can have a form but deny the power. Amen. So God is after godliness and God does want godliness over correctness. We're trying to be so correct and yet we find ourselves so hypocritical. How I many can raise your hand and said, man, I, I, without Jesus, I was a hypocrite. <laughs> Come on. And some of you were the hippiest critics we've ever seen. 
Amen. And I, I can say that. And Jesus calls them those who are just following a form. They're hypocrites. That's what, that's what Jesus called them. And James brings the attention to us when he says, look, if you say you're a religious person and you can't control your mouth, you're no better than the hypocrites. You're, you're, it's, it's useless. It's, but here, and he points us to a way and he says, this is what God wants. This is pure religion. This is true godliness. Does everybody follow, right? Amen. This is what I want to bring out. That, and so we ask ourselves, are we religious in that sense? Amen. So it's our heart condition and our actions that define pure religion. Amen. And we can say that about vain religion, but it is about true. And so the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it also says that faith without works is dead. So it is good to have faith towards God. Amen. Not towards a system, not towards a denomination, not towards a man. Amen. But we have to have our faith towards God. Is that right? But we also have to say and add to this, that is what the Bible says, that faith without works is dead. And James is saying that, that you can say that you have all this faith and you're all this spiritual stuff, but if you, if you can't control your tongue, if you can't live the life, if you don't walk in truth, your religion is in vain. What God is looking for is godliness. What he's searching for is truth. What he wants is genuine. Come on. A sincere heart is a right heart before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I see that we have got to really get this right in our hearts and our life before we ever go to a world that needs Jesus. We need to say, look, we know what the real is. <laughs> How many can honestly say, I know the real Jesus? Amen. I know real love. Amen. He showed me his real grace. I know real compassion and real truth. Amen. So look back in James 1, the keys in James 1 that we'll go over um, maybe some other time today, but also some other time, finish up. The keys in James 1 are this, godliness over correctness. Number two, words and actions matter. As James brings that out and talks to us about that, your, your walk in your talk, not just your talk, not just, but it's in your walk in your talk. Doing, do, be a doer of the word. Doing the word is what he talks about. Live and do the word, so we bring that out. And the third thing he talks about is... Uh, Vain religion or dead religion and pure religion. He gives the, the kind of that spoke scope of the two and worthless face or, or, or religion. Or, and he talks about self-deception. And we'll not mention that today, but he talks about that, that that's part of dead religion. There's a self-deception there. Uh, how many know the highest form of deception is self-deception? Amen, it really is. And so he, he, he says that. But I want to look at something different today and go into this. And that is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus is um, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, preaching Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then I mentioned this last week. We talked about the spirit of prophecy, but I also talked about this in chapter 7 of Matthew. Jesus is ending his discourse in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about false prophets. But in chapter 6, he opens up with this in verse 1. Now, if some of you want to go ahead and open your Bible and follow uh, through, I'll mention the verses, but I will not read everything. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he said this, Take heed that you do not, don't, you don't, don't do your charitable deeds or your alms before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful not to pr practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Jesus begins to give us a picture of what James says is pure religion and false religion or vain religion or dead religion. Let me just say vain for the sake of argument. So he says, and I'm just going to walk through this, and he gives us some topics. He op opens up and he says, your alms or your charitable deeds. 
We're talking about good works. Well, Jesus mentions it and talks about it. And he says it in chapter 7 as well. But in chapter 6, he's talking about it directly about alms, your charitable deeds, what you're giving to the poor, giving to the less fortunate, or doing for other people. And he says that you should not do it, your deeds, to be seen by men. That's what he opens up. So let's look at this. In verse 2, he said this describes vain religion. Don't be like the hypocrites is what he says. He says what they do is they blow a trumpet in the synagogues and in the streets and they, they, that they may have glory of men or recognition from other people. They're doing it for acceptance. They're doing it for approval. He said don't do that. That is vain religion. Let me show you what he said and describes what is pure religion. In verses 3 and 4. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you openly. So he says that vain religion is doing it to show off. How many know the Pharisees were all about the show? Oh yes, they were. Hypocrites, Jesus said, are all about the show. They'll come to church and they'll shout. They'll come to, you know, and they'll, they'll claim they're Christian. They'll claim this. They'll claim that, that they know God. But they have a very shallow, you know, walk with the Lord or a, hardly a walk at all. Or they're living one way on Sunday and living another way on Monday. We used to say this. One of my teachers in Bible school said, it's not how high you jump on Sunday, it's how straight you walk on Monday. Amen. But Jesus said they made a show. They made everything about Sunday. Look at me, look at me. And then when they gave to the poor, can you imagine blowing a trumpet when you put your clothes in that blue box or orange box? Beep the horn, honey. I just put those clothes in there. Beep, 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 beep. Everybody comes out of their house. Hey, I just put my clothes that I don't want anymore in this box for the needy. Huh? Huh? Jesus said that's vain religion. When you're doing things just for a show, and I've, I've seen this and it's really, it really turned me off. I've seen people put videos on, on YouTube and other things of them actually being good to other people and giving gifts to other people. Look what I'm doing. I remember this one young man videotaped it and he, he, he you know, bought some shoes for this, uh, uh, you know, his uh, fellow classmate who, who was poor or needy or whatever, but he said, he said, I bought this kid's shoes and a brand new $150 shoes. And then he said, I bought him two pair. Oh, and, and the kid that he gave the shoes to was like, uh, thanks. Like, he didn't thank him enough, and the kid was getting mad at him. Wasn't that good of me? Wasn't that right of me? And he, and he had us all on video. Recently, there was a woman that pulled up to a drive-thru, and she said, before she pulled up, she said, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I gave a ride to this woman to work, and she was telling me that she doesn't have hardly any money. So she goes, okay, and she took out one by one. She pulled up to the drive-thru and showed everybody, okay, I'm going to give you a $100 gift card to this store. Then I went and bought you a dress, opened it up. Show, I want you to see it. I mean, she was going through this. How many know that's just vain? That's just vain religion. It doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing. But we're going to talk about this later, but we don't really hear messages about this. But I believe there's a reward for what you do. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus said there was. Jesus said that people that do vain works and vain religion, they have their reward. And it's not much. But when you do something in secret, you do it out of your heart. You don't have to tell anybody. Nobody has to know about it. In fact, you're, you're, it's so much a part of your lifestyle that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand is doing because you're such a generous person giving in secret. Amen. He said, now God will reward you. 
Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. All right, let's move on. But he, he says of the, of the other two is prayer and fasting. He says the same thing. And I'll save some time. Prayer. He goes into prayer. Here's what vain religion looks like. When people have vain religion and dead religion, he said they love to pray standing in the middle of the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Again, blowing trumpets, lifting up their voice. I fast more than this guy over here. I pray longer than him. I'm closer to God than you. Jesus said that's vain. Doesn't mean a thing. When you go, I have to tell everybody online how much time you spend and, and, you know, in prayer and that you pray more than other people. That, that's just vain religion. He said this, and he describes it in verse 6. He said, this is pure religion. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Do it in secret. Pray in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Get in your prayer closet. Nobody has to know how long you pray, the prayers you pray, Nobody needs to know that but God himself. You know, and the other thing is, religious people always want you to justify yourself and always prove yourself. How long do you pray, brother? You know, I pray, you know, I'm serious. And then you feel like, oh, well, yeah, I pray all the time. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I did 35 minutes today. I did 40 minutes today. I mean, no, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. It's before the Lord. You don't need to know how much I pray. You, you don't need to know when I pray. But yet people do. And then, and then somehow that, okay, then they're a spiritual person. I get it. Amen. Come on, somebody. Is, is this all right? Jesus was teaching that, man, that's vain when you want to worry about showing off and, and then keeping count of how much, how spiritual everybody is in the church. And you want to keep a tab on everybody. I mean, no, that's just worthless. It's just not good to God. And he said this in verse 7, that this is vain religion. He said, they, they keep babbling on like pagans. They just keep repetitive, the same thing over and over, that they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. How many know you don't need to say much in the presence of God? You just need to be there. Sometimes you find yourself in, in complete silence before the Lord. We're just like, God, I just want to be in your presence today. A religious person feels guilty, and they've got to put their list out there, and they've got to, I've got to spend time. God, you, uh, and then I feel good about myself. How many know you don't need to do all that? Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a big prayer list. I'm not talking about a prayer list because people always tell you, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And you go, okay, the list is getting longer. Amen. So sometimes we do spend a lot and say a lot in prayer because we do have a lot that we do need to pray about. So I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about these chants and these mantras and these Christian phrases and these sayings that we've heard of the years that we think that makes us more spiritual. Bless you, bless you, bless you, God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. That's not, that's not, it's not working. He said, man, you know, there's the, the engine's going, but there's no oil in the machine. You, you just keep, you know, come on. And so Jesus said through repetitiveness and through, uh, that's what people do that, that don't know God and don't, actually don't have a God. They just, the Bible says like pagans. They just pray to dead gods and they've got to talk. How many know you've got to talk a lot to a dead God because he can't hear you? And so you've you got to try to get through to that stone and that wood. and that, Come on. You've got to keep saying, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Oh. How many know you didn't need to beg God? The Bible says he knows what you have need of before you even ask. How many know he, he loves to hear your voice? He loves to hear. He, he, the Bible says he just, in this book of Psalms, says uh, how great it is that when we come before the presence, he delights in the prayers of his people. That's what Psalms said. Amen. Hallelujah. So anyway. 
And so, because the Bible says that the Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. So we're not ta- we're talking about traditional prayers or tra- prayers that are just dead. I'm, you know, I, th- I wrote this down because I know a lot of people say, well, Brother Matt, I've seen you on Facebook write a prayer out. I- I've done that with people on a Christmas card or a-, a post. I've written a prayer out. I'm not talking about that. I've been in uh, services and meetings where people uh, felt God put a prayer on their heart and they read it. Uh, in front of the congregation, uh, I know that people that pray out of books or uh, from there's you know we have devotional books and there's prayers in there. I'm not talking about that. Prayers read from paper that were not written from the heart. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. So there's a difference. How many know there's a difference when you're reading a devotional, your morning devotional, and there's a prayer in there to pray after that. There's different than if you're just reading a prayer on paper that didn't come from somebody's heart. It just came from just some kind of, we just need to fill in this religious blank. <laughs> Amen. There's, there are those things. Amen. Uninspired prayers. Are those, that's what Jesus is talking about. But pure religion, he brings out this about prayer. In nine, uh, verses 9 through 15, he said, This then is how you should pray. Of course, we know from the heart. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, how many know somebody, people have taken that and made that religious? That doesn't mean anything to them. They just kind of, our Father, be the name of the earth. You know what I mean? If you were ever on a football team, they did that in the locker room or whatever, you know, a sports team, you did that. How many know it didn't really mean much to those guys? You, but, you know, come on. So Jesus said, this has got to be from the heart. And so he did give us this, this is what I want you to pray. I want you to pray according this way or like this. Give honor to God. Recognize Him as your Father. He's the creator. of the, He's your provider. That's what Jesus is saying. Come in my name because it's the only name given among men whereby you must be saved. Look to God for every provision, for protection, that He'll uh, you know, help you in temptation. He'll deliver you from evil. How I many know that's a good kind of prayer? That's, a good, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. I hope this is okay today. But he said this about fasting. Jesus went on in Matthew chapter 6 and he said in verse 16, this is vain religion. He said again, people, they look somber, they look sad. This is what they do. Vain religion. People that are just wrapped up in dead religion, they just, they just dis- dis- give, uh, he said they, they disfigure their faces. They put on a scowl. They want everyone to know they're fasting. Amen. Jesus said this is pure religion, verse 17 and 18. When you fast, put oil on your head. Look refreshed. Wash your face so that you will not, it won't be obvious to other people that you're fasting. But only do it to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Because a religious attitude is not just one that tries to be more spiritual than others. A religious attitude is one that tries to be more humble than other people. They want to be the most humble person in the room. Well, and then they brag about it and tweet about it. I'm the most humble person in my church. I'm going to tell you right now. You know? How many know that's not the Lord? Then he goes on and he begins to talk about money and physical needs. And, and he, again, he gives us the, the, the difference between you know, vain religion and pure religion and what God is looking for and, and, and sincerity. And he says this in verse 19. He said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on the earth. That's vain religion. He said, uh, you know, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's vain religion, he says. No man can serve two masters. You, you can't serve God in money. I mean, you know, when, when a person that doesn't have pure religion is all about money and materialism and materialistic things and constantly looking to, to man and to money to meet their needs. He said, that's not what you should do. Again, he goes on in verse 25 through 31. He says, take no thought for your life. 
what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're put on the body. So that's, just vain. that's just religion. I mean, uh, that's dead religion. You're just constantly trying to, you know, uh, think about how can, how can I get this for myself? How can, how can I get provision for this? And how can I squeeze every dollar out of people? How many of the Bible says that's not what we should be doing? In fact, Jesus goes on and he even says that we shouldn't take thought for our, our lives tomorrow, what tomorrow will hold. He said, that, that's just considered vain religion because you're not depending on me. You're, you're thinking about and you're stressed out and you're full of fear. He said, don't move in that. Move in what God pleases God and that is this. In verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He said, if, therefore, if your eye is single, your whole body was full of light. And then he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Those who are really walking for the Lord, and as James put it, are pure religion and undefiled before God, seek God first. They look to God for everything. They're not, up in, they're not caught up in materialism. They're not caught in consumerism. They're not caught up in, in the things of this world. Their, their focus is eternity. Their, their gaze is what is important in life, what's essential in life. Come on, somebody, amen. How many know you can have a lot of money and still be godly? Everybody wants a million dollars, say amen. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus teaches. And so he teaches that, and how many know you can be poor and, and the most ungodly person? I mean, you know. So we, we have it reversed, I mean, sometimes. But, but Jesus teaches this, what is vain and what is pure. And so as we see what's in common with these things is Jesus and just kind of wrap up this, this part and just really bring this out to what Jesus teaches. He says that, that people that are into, as, as James put it, vain, the religion is in vain, it's useless, and that is this. It's all about the show. It's all about the performance. It's all about obligation. It's all about, you know, it's just a religious duty. As we see in Hebrews, the Bible says that the gospel was preached to them, to you as well as them, but it did not profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. It was just a form to them. It was just a formula or just a, a, another teaching. How many know to some people Jesus is just another prophet? He's just another historical figure. He's just a Christian symbol. He's just a, right? Come on. He's just a, uh, I don't know. I mean, people that they... They're professors and they teach about New Testament or Old Testament. They teach out of the Bible, yet they don't know the God of the Bible because they have a vain religion. It's a religious form. It's a system. It's, a, it's not in their heart. It's not in truth. It's out of, uh, just out of their form of their system and their religious form. And so Jesus said it's all about the show. It's all about the performance. There's very low sacrifice in a, in a, a vain religion person, a, a pharisaical heart or a person like that. Very little sacrifice for other people. Very low sacrifice. And, and, and they take all the credit. Did you notice this as Jesus is teaching? They take all the credit. They want all the credit for everything. They have a hard time thanking God and blessing God because they really believe that they're the ones responsible. And so, they, you know, they work hard at the acceptance of other people. Jesus even teaches about them, and he said that you'll go across the sea to find a disciple. You'll, you'll work very hard. You'll, I mean, even they'll gather all these stones on the Sabbath, and then they'll stone somebody for working on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus said it's just hypocritical. It doesn't make sense. And so that's what they do. They work hard for acceptance of people. They're, they're, they're making sure that their performance in front of other Christians are, is okay so that they won't be, you know, uh, you know, kind of put out of the club and put out of the group. <laughs> How many know that's not a good reason to worship? Not a good reason to be a Christian. 
And so, as, as Paul taught us, that there's many people that they suppose that gain is godliness. That the more you have, the closer you are to God. The more that you have, the more blessed you are. How many know you can be blessed and not have any money? You can be blessed and be sick. I hope that's all right. Come on. You can be blessed and going through a very hard time. We think that you're blessed because you got a lot of money. And in the, back in the 80s and 90s, we, had, we got off as a church. And we were teaching that the closer you are to God, the rich you, more rich you'll become. And, the, and Jesus died on the cross to make you physically rich and materialistically rich. How many know we got off? We got into religious form. Amen. How many know that was vain religion? Thinking that gain is godliness. Thinking that the more you have, the more possessions you have. And there was one teaching in the Bible. Jesus said there was a man that God began to bless in the Bible. And he began to look to himself and say, wow, look how blessed I am. So instead of giving all what he had to the poor and giving what he had to other people, guess what he began to do? He began to build bigger barns and bigger storehouses. And the Bible says Jesus showed up one night and said, tonight your soul is required of you. Now what are you going to do with all your stuff? <laughs> I mean, you know, his religion became in vain. It became useless. And so James is, is bringing that same, all these definitions that I gave you, that extreme definition, he's saying that if you cannot control your tongue, he said that your religion is vain. It's, an, it's just useless. And how many know we need to watch what we say? We need to know what we do, right? We'll talk about that later, but in some other time. Religious people can't be into what God is into. Jesus gives that example. They want to redefine worship and holiness and what's comfortable, what's suitable to them. They want to break it down and define and make rules that fit them but nobody else. How many know that's a religious person, a vain religious person? That's not good. They seek after materialism as we talked about and they get caught up in the rat race of culture and the rat race of life and thinking that I, I, the only way I can be successful in God's eyes is if I have a, 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 a job better than everybody else, I'm making more money than everybody else and everybody's following me and liking me at the same time. How many of you know that's not success in God's eyes? Necessarily. Is that right? Amen. Someone said that you know some people are so worried about getting caught up in the rat race of life that they, don't, they, they, they forget that after the race, you're still a rat. Amen. Hallelujah. But when we look to Jesus, when we look at what He values, and when we say in our hearts, God, you don't want all this fluff necessarily. You want my heart. It's not all the rituals and ceremonialism, and it's all this thing and putting on a show for other people. You're looking for my heart. That's what you want. You want... Lord, worship from my heart. You, it doesn't matter where I go to church, how often I go to church. It doesn't matter uh, how much I pray. or All that stuff doesn't matter to you. Come on. It matters my heart. I'm walking in truth in my heart and sincerity before you in my heart. How many of that's pure religion? And as James brings out, we'll talk about later, is that if you're really, a, a, as he defines, pure religious person, you'll do what's acceptable to God, and that is look to other people. Amen? You'll be unspotted from the world. How many know that's a message that needs to be heard today? Amen. Hallelujah. So God wants godliness, not correctness. And so it's important to understand that there is, as the Bible defines, pure religion that's acceptable to God. And I think it's our kind of, maybe my, my uh, desire, really, to run after and find out what that is. Lord, what is that? What, what, is, what is James talking about? That's, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. I don't 
want this form. I don't want just to go through the show and go through the emotions. I want the true and genuine. I want my heart to be real before you, God. And I want to really, out of my heart, begin to have actions that are godly. Amen? That are really fruits of righteousness in my life and prove that God is in my life. Can we stand on our feet? Amen today. And so we opened up with that question, are you a religious person? I don't know about some of you. There's always. I mean, know there's a, 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 a few of the uh, you know, Christians in the crowd. They're going to do it. If I say don't do it, they'll do it anyways. But as we leave here today, I know there's going to be people saying, oh, you're a very religious person, brother. I know you're joking. But, you know, think about it. How we have put such a negative spin on that. How we have looked at that in such a negative way. And yet James says that there is a pure religion that is before God is unblemished, is pure, and God accepts it. And so as we leave this place today, we, you know, we say, God, that's what we want to walk in. We want to walk in that which is true. First of all, how many know your talk has got to line up with, your walk's got to line up with your talk. If you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, how many know your life should show it? Paul said in Galatians that we should live a life worthy of the gospel that we've been called to or what God called us into. We've got to live that life. We've got to show that we really are Christians. Amen. Hallelujah. Especially in this world today. But let me just ask you this and go through this. That are, are you a person that is just going through the motions, but it's not in your heart? You're just showing up to church. You're just kind of doing it. Well, my parents said, and that's what they do. You know, and how many know there's a time where as Moses came across the Red Sea and they worshiped the Lord, one of the things that Moses said, he said, my father, my father's God, and I will exalt him. He was worshiping the, the God of his father's. But then he said, amen, that I will, I will trust in him and I will rejoice in him because he is my God. And how many times, there, no, there's a time in your life where you were maybe raised in a Christian home and that, that was the God of your parents and that was the God that you, you kind of grew up in church and you kind of grew up around Christianity and you heard about it, but there's a time that it be, he becomes your God. There's a day that he becomes your Savior. Amen. And so I want to ask you, there's people that may be going through the motions, but it's really not in your heart. You may be putting on an outward show to be seen, to be accepted by other Christians or other people, and to have their approval, but really you're not accepting or seeking after the acceptance from God. I mean, no, it's important, more important to be accepted by God than it is by man. I mean, I'd rather have the approval of God in my life than the approval of any man, as David said. Hallelujah. We're serving God by your own definition. What's comfortable to you? What's suitable to you? you? Making a God that's comfortable to you, that you can worship, that you feel good about, that you can still live your life and really not have that many rules in your life. I mean, no, that's just vain religion. That's just not about relationship. But, you know, some people, and I threw this out there, because I, 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 we didn't teach on it today, but you see this about what Jesus teaches about vain religion. But he says that, people that are wrapped up in this, he said, they're all judgment and no mercy. They're all judgment and no mercy. They make excuses for their own life while holding everyone else accountable for theirs. I mean, no, that's, that's not good. Amen? Amen? So I don't know if that's you today and you say, God, I, I really, I got to get a heart examination here, a heart check. Maybe I'm just really just, as James said it, it my, my religion is just useless. It's vain. It's something I thought was, was good, but it's really not. And some of us need to just say, Lord, I want to walk in this pure, uh, genuine uh, thing that James talks about. Lord, this, the unblemished before you that is acceptable to you, that's good. I mean, I mean no, there's a good, 
as we talked about today, is good. We want to walk in that. And so this week we say, Lord, I'm not going to do it to show off. I'm not going to do it, you know, and, and then post it online and, and, and have other Christians pat me on the back, how much I gave, how much I loved, how much I pray. I mean, no, that's, that's not good. That's not what God's looking for. This week I want to challenge you. Get in your closet alone with God. Do it in secret. Just you and Him. Amen? Just you and Him. When you give this week to somebody, somebody's in need, just say, Lord, open my eyes that I can give to somebody in need. I don't need to tell anybody about it. I don't need to boast about it online. I don't need to do that. But, Lord, I do need to give. How many know it's important to give? So, Lord, I want to give with the right heart, and I want to meet that need this week. Amen, that there are others around me. And Lord, I want to fast for the right reasons. I, I don't want to do it because our church is doing it. I don't want to do it because, you know, every, it's it, cool right now and everybody's doing it online and some of the, the hipster pastors are doing it. Lord, I want to do it because I love you and, and I want to worship you and I want to pray and I want to seek your face. I think you got the picture today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Because, Lord, as we read certain words in the Bible, they may have a negative, Lord, definition in our culture and maybe our experience. But, Lord, they're life to you. They mean something to you, Lord. And so uh, we examine that word today, religion. And, Lord, we want that pure religion, as Jane talked about, that is undefiled before, before you, God, that is really right in your eyes, Lord, to look to the needs of other people and be unspotted from the world and un, uncontaminated, Lord. That's what we want, Lord. Not, not to show off, not for pride, not for we're not trying to get into all these works, Lord. We do it because we love you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. So, Lord, help us love other people the way you love us, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We do have a prayer team that comes after, at the altar after the service. And uh, we have asked them to wear a mask if you feel comfortable with that. And uh, need some prayer today. We know there's no distance in prayer. Well, there's no material to separate us from prayer. So if you need prayer today, we do have prayer teams around the front. And, uh, but other than that, encourage somebody. Have a great Sunday. God bless you this week.